0: M SW Media. Hey everyone, today's episode of the Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com/slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate delicious daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for their support. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. Today, Politico gets a hold of a draft decision from Alito overturning Roe v. Wade. And rather than reveling in the decision, the GOP is focused on the leak. Donald loses his appeal to stop the $10,000 per day fine for contempt in New York. And the only judge to dismiss obstruction charges in a Capitol riot case is, quote, seriously contemplating reconsidering. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Well, what a day for you to come back, my
1: friend. Indeed. So for those listening, I just want to tell you this is the joy I have. First of all, it's nice to be back, but AG always sends me a script, and she's got the introduction, and then there's discussion and hot notes. And under discussion, all it says is, "What the fuck <laughs> <laughs> Just so you give and you get a little idea at home that's where we're going right now, and I agree what the actual fuck it has been a um hard twenty four hours uh for the women and 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 trans men and anyone else who can carry a child or cares about reproductive rights or loves someone who cares about reproductive rights. Um, It's, it's been a hard 24 hours. So I hope that you are having the conversations you need to have with those people who support you and our rights and as well as taking some time for self-care. But um, AG, it's
0: just been a shitty, it's, 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 this is shitty. It's shitty. It is. And I thought I would be prepared for this. I have been saying that this is what yeah, was absolutely. going to happen. We've been predicting best case scenario as they put a, a weeks like limit on on viability, but likely it'll they'll just gut the entire thing. But no matter how much you're prepared for it, no matter what you think you're ready for. You, uh, it, nothing can prepare you for the reality of the day that it happens or the reality that you learn the day that you learn that it's going to happen. And seeing it,
1: actually seeing it in writing and reading some of Alito's words, it's terrifying, not just for women in this country or, you know, anyone who can't carry. It's anyone who is a marginalized community that has gotten rights, equal rights to their straight counterparts or their white counterparts in the last 50 years. Alito seems to think this is all up for fucking grabs.
0: Yeah. And to, to say we need to go back to, you know, we, we got these rules from the old English ways. And uh, that, I mean, that's the frightening part, right? That's the Gilead part of this whole thing. It, it, it could have just been a, a legal why we aren't going with stare decisis, why the decision legally may have may not have been blah, blah, blah. And a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo, but it's not it's gross and yes and frightening and christo fascist and and it's oh it's it was hard to read some of the passages and and we'll get into uh, that a little bit and we're also going to get into the fact that the Republicans are focused on the fact that it was leaked, not what's in the story like You know, I can't believe you broke into my phone. Well, I can't believe I found pictures of you fucking my sister. No, we need to talk about how you broke into my phone. You Right. uh, It sounds very familiar. Last time I remember
1: something like this in the country was when Trump found out that the New York Times broke the story about the Russian bounties on our soldiers' heads and he wasn't worried about the bounties. He was very pissed about the story breaking, which is exactly what this feels like.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about the seeming coordination among all of the right wing pundits and republicans on their language and and that's fucking fishy to me. We'll talk about that. Absolutely. So we do have a lot to get to. We're going to leave a little extra room for discussion today and uh, then we'll get to the good news cuz we definitely need it. And we will start with the hot notes. Some- hot notes. All right. The story that kicked this all off from Josh Gerstein at Politico, the Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion a written by Alito circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico. The draft opinion is a full throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. That largely maintained the right. Quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, it says. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. This is what he writes in his document labeled Opinion of the Court. It is time, he says, to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. <sighs> Deliberations on controversial cases have in the past been fluid. Justices can and sometimes do change their votes as draft opinions circulate and major decisions can be subject to multiple drafts and vote trading, sometimes until just days before a decision is unveiled. The court's holding will not be final until it is published, likely in the next two months. The immediate impact of the ruling is drafted in February, by the way, which is a signal to me that this wasn't leaked by anyone liberal or they would have leaked it in February would be to end a half century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and allow each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion or criminalize it for that matter. It's unclear if there have been subsequent changes to the draft. No draft decision in modern history of the court has been disclosed publicly while a case was still pending. The unprecedented revelation is bound to intensify the debate over what was already the most controversial case on the docket this term. And like I said, Dana's going to be going over the focus on the leak and not the content in a minute. But Chief Justice John Roberts on Tuesday confirmed the authenticity of the Supreme Court draft opinion that would strike down Roe v. Wade and announced an investigation into the document's disclosure. Not an investigation into whether or not Judge Thomas should recuse himself because his wife is a seditionist. Not an investigation into Kavanaugh's credible rape allegations. But definitely an investigation into the disclosure of this document, which he described as a singular and egregious breach of the court's trust. Yeah, no. Can I tell you what is a singular and egregious breach of the court's trust? Every fucking thing you've done in the last year. Yeah, that's what. Not really. They've made some fine rulings, but this is just going to they already had a 40 percent approval rating or something terrible. It's just going to be decimated. Quote, to the extent this betrayal of the confidence of the court was intended to undermine the integrity of our operations, it will not succeed. Roberts said in a statement, the work of the court will not be affected in any way, he added, as he directed the marshal of the court to launch an investigation into the source of the leak, because that's the big problem here. Absolutely. And
1: there's a few Republican lawmakers on Tuesday were celebrating a draft Supreme Court opinion that we just talked about. That would overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, instead, they were angrily demanding answers to how the document became public in the first place, okay? GOP leaders trained their fire on the breach of Supreme Court protocol that led to Politico's publication of the draft opinion by the court's conservative majority. And let's give it up to Politico for not saving this fucking information for a book because that's what everyone else seems to be doing. Now, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who played a significant role in shaping the makeup of the current court, he repeatedly declined to comment on the draft opinion itself or claim credit for the likely end of federally protected abortion rights. Now, rather, he focused on what he sees as an effort to undermine the court, probably by someone on the fucking court. Okay, that's just listen, that's my we talk yeah. about that discussion. Though little is publicly known about how the draft opinion came to light or who might benefit from its disclosure, and some Republicans portrayed it as a breach of by a progressive clerk or a justice hoping to marshal public pressure against the five justices linked to the document. Now, in the, it's the latest in a string of Republican accusations about the sources of breaches in high-profile matters, and that's including politically charged congressional and criminal probes. Yeah, like what you were just saying. Absolutely. Now, Republicans who have long hoped the court would repeal Roe's establishment of abortion rights demanded investigations, firings, and even prosecutions for the breach— so they're all up in arms. And Democrats largely took an inverse approach, acknowledging concerns about the breach, but pivoting quickly to the details of the opinion, which is what we should be focusing on. They argued that their GOP colleagues' laser focus on the disclosure itself and is, is basically an acknowledgement that Republicans' views on abortion are very unpopular with the voters. In fact, I'm pr- is this only like 28% of the country is still against women's reproductive rights? It's 21 yeah, twenty one percent.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very, very unpopular, and they're. It's so there's a lot of way, There's a lot of reasons that I think that this is conservatively leaked. First of all, they're all bitching about it, which means, <laughs> and they're all blaming it on progressives, which means they did it absolutely. That's the first we always have a clue. And whoever's yelling the loudest at the beginning, you're like, oh, OK, yeah, you started the fire. OK, mm-hmm. at least in my mind. And and the there's no benefit for liberals or progressives to leak this because it's we are now further away from the midterms than we would be in June when this decision was released. So it's not midterm motivated, if you will, on, uh, if, you know, in benefit of the Democrats and it allows also it seems to me to allow the conservatives to throw up a te- it's like a test flag right to see what the country's going to do before the official decision comes out right and it also sort of allows them to to kind of know what the potential backlash could be from from this being the final decision It could also be what what I've always long called lubing the truth, uh, what other lawyers call drawing the sting, so that when the official thing comes out, we aren't as mad because we've already been poked by the sharp stick. Right. I did hear a theory, and
1: like I said, this is just a theory. A.G. and I don't know why this was leaked, who leaked it, but I also heard someone talking about how there was one justice that said publicly that they might be uh, swayed by public opinion. And so... Their thought was that the, one of the conservative judges actually leaked this to keep that person in line,
0: right? To to secure the five and votes. say
1: we're already this is we're already going this direction.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that's another th- another benefit to this leak for conservatives is that now any of those justices change their votes they're going to look weak or whatever and they're going to people are going to be mad and target them right
1: or the GOP who got to them and yeah, this is the thing you know they always accuse us of doing what they did so you know what's going they're going to say who got to that judge who paid that judge off when they have actually paid these judges off to already be on the court they bought these two supreme court seats so if they start screaming that if one of the justices were to have changed their opinion you're absolutely right because they always accuse us of what they've already done.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. And now, of course, Susan Collins is clutching her pearls. Oh, for God's and sake! Is very concerned, saying, yeah, "When I talked, when I talked to Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, they assured me that this was settled law." And so uh, she's she's playing it off like they tricked her. She's the victim here. What? Wh- what do you think of that? Well, listen, A.G., I also, and
1: I have more respect for Murkowski than I do for Collins. And Murkowski is also acting shocked that a man who was credibly accused of sexually assaulting more than one woman could have possibly lied to her face. And if this is the case, her her belief in the, in the, in the Supreme Court has been rocked. Her confidence Ugh. in the Supreme Court has been rocked, quote, unquote. I'm like, oh, please. Both of these women, I, I cannot, I have to believe they knew exactly what they were doing to toe the party line and tell us what we wanted to hear. We spoke to him and they, re, they, you know, they assured us. And these questions were asked. We saw you know, Kamala Harris grill Kavanaugh mm-hmm. about this kind of stuff. Even asked him, can you name one law in our Constitution and in the federal government that actually controls a man's body? Uh and he was like, uh, you asked me more. What's specific. a man?
0: Who's a man? When's a man a man? Am I a man? <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> you know, it was just uh, by mean, the way, I was quoting uh Flight of the Concords there. But yeah, the only way to fucking save face for Susan Co- I don't want to hear from Collins and Murkowski unless they're willing to nuke the filibuster, do a carve out for codifying row. Hundred percent for codifying row. That's the only pass they will get from me if they do that if they put their money where their mouth is and fucking stand up to this shit joni ernst where are you
1: same thing goes for kirsten cinema to putting out the statement i've always fought for women's reproductive health fucking then get rid of the filibuster on this carve it out Mm -hmm. put your money where your mouth is because that's exactly what's controlling her mouth is
0: money especially the shocked ones, the Collins and the Oh, Murkowski. I know. Oh, I'm just, the they Pearl just, Clutchers. How could I have not seen this coming? We all fucking saw it coming. Yeah. And you, if you're not... Okay. Okay. Are you that? Okay. Look, the only way to save face on this, Collins, Murkowski, if you're listening, carve out the filibuster, codify row. That's it. It's the only way out, in my opinion. All right. And this one, next one is on you. Yep, yep, yep. Well, there's other news. There's other news happening, although it doesn't feel like it in my head and in my heart, but there is other news to get out there. And this is breaking news today. A federal judge said Tuesday he is still very seriously contemplating the government's request to reconsider his position on the obstruction charges hundreds of Capitol riot defendants are facing. To date, U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols, as we know, is the only judge on the D.C. District Court to dismiss charges of obstructing an official proceeding against any of the more 700 defendants now charged in the riot. In March, in an order, he dismissed the count against Garrett Miller of Texas, and Nichols relied on a narrow reading of the statute, 18 U.S. Code 1512C2, that would require a defendant to be accused of taking some action with respect to a document, record, or other object in order to corruptly obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6th. Nichols stuck to that reading in February when he dismissed the same obstruction charge in the case with another defendant, Pennsylvania police officer Joe Fisher. None of Nichols's colleagues on the court have adopted his reading of the law, which was passed as part of a series of post-Enron reforms in 2002. Since his ruling, however, dozens of defendants in other Capitol cases have cited Judge Nichols' decision in motions asking to have the obstruction charges against them thrown out. They've all lost so far. But at least one of Nichols' colleagues in the district, U.S. District Judge John Bates, has written an opinion saying he thought Nichols' interpretation was wrong. And last month, federal prosecutors filed a motion asking Nichols to reconsider his ruling. They argue Nichols incorrectly applied the rule of lenity, a legal principle requiring judges to rule on any ambiguities in the law in a defendant's favor, because no other judges on the court have found the law unclear. They also say Nichols's reading of the word otherwise in the statute does not agree with any other judges on the D.C. district or any human fucking person that speaks any language (laughs) in the universe. Fisher's attorneys, who joined him in court on Tuesday for a motion hearing, have urged Nichols not to reconsider his ruling. Come on, this this is the only way I can get out of this. They argued in a response last month that nothing has changed to warrant his reconsideration quote there is certainly no contention that there has been an intervening change in the law in fact it's penumbra of uncertainty that surround 1512c2's scope that invited the numerous legal challenges to everybody challenged it one guy said yes and so that means it's just it has to be questioned and you don't change your answer that's what fisher's attorneys wrote in court Tuesday, though, Nichol said he didn't want to hear additional arguments on reconsideration at the time, noting he was still very seriously contemplating it. Judges routinely agree to reconsider issues like bond and pretrial release conditions, even if they don't ultimately reverse their positions, but granting a motion to reconsider a question of law as significant as the one that the Miller and Fisher cases would be far more unusual to reconsider and could have wide-ranging ramifications for outstanding motions in dozens of other Capitol riot cases. Nichols did not rule on the motion Tuesday, instead focusing on several other motions before him, including similar requests from both Fisher and a second defendant, Jeffrey McKellop, for a change of venue. After saying he would hold the venue motions and other requests to limit character evidence for now, Nichols denied a motion from Fisher to dismiss additional counts against him. He also denied a motion to dismiss the indictment against McKellop, who argued he was being selectively prosecuted because charges had been dropped in some cases connected to protests in Portland in 2020. <laughs> that that was his actual argument. That was a reach. Mm. Nichols said there were obvious differences between the two situations.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do love when these judges have to be like, you're a jackass, I but not the, in so many words. I
0: love the legal, like... <clears throat> there are clearly obvious div- per my last email. Bless you. heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finally, Nichols said he would issue a written order at a future date on the government's request to prevent McKellop from presenting a self-defense theory at trial. McKellop hadn't yet indicated in court filings whether he intended to pursue self-defense as an affirmative defense in his case. And his attorney, Kiyonaga, uh, said he didn't believe they were obligated to tell the government of their decision on that either way. We don't have to tell you what our defense is. <laughs> Now, Webster, the former New York police officer convicted Monday, who we talked about, unsuccessfully argued self-defense in his case. And he was convicted on all six counts, including assaulting an officer. Another guy has been sentenced for assaulting an officer, but that guy pled guilty and was very cooperative and remorseful. And he got 63 months. So Webster is, yeah, not going to get 63 months. (laughs) It's going to be much higher, I think. I think that'd be fabulous. All right.
1: And one good news story before we get to the real good news. A higher court has rejected an appeal by former President Donald Trump to purge a civil contempt of court ruling and the $10,000 per day fine that comes with it. Now, the appellate division on Tuesday denied former Trump's motion. Former Trump's motion. I still think he should be a former Trump, but I understand why the sentence was created that way. <laughs> former Trump's motion to stay the order that held him in contempt of court for refusing to respond to the New York Attorney General subpoena. Now, the contempt order stands, and with it, the daily $10,000 per day fine Trump is supposed to pay until he either turns over responsive documents or convinces the judge he thoroughly looked and doesn't have any. We know he does. Check the plumbing. It comes after a New York judge on Friday denied a similar motion from Trump's legal team to purge the civil contempt of court ruling. In that ruling, Judge Arthur Engeron held Trump in contempt for failing to comply with the subpoena for evidence in the state attorney general's civil investigation into his business dealings. So I'm glad every person that has come up to this has said, no, Mm -hmm. no, no, we're rejecting your appeal, we're rejecting your appeal, we're rejecting your appeal.
0: Mm -hmm. Will we take a check? Absolutely not. (laughs) Yes. And and yeah, not from you. And uh, interestingly, I had I had put out a tweet that Trump was appealing this. And I said, how long before the court tells him to shove it? And everyone's like, oh, like, you know, a couple of minutes, who knows? And it was twenty-two hours. It, t- <laughs> it took That's twenty-two beautiful. hours for the court to say, "Nah, nah, bro, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's still owe ten thousand a day." Uh, bye, bye. All right, thank you for that story, Dana. Uh, that was a, a little bright, shining uh, beacon of, of good news in this uh, in this day of, yes. of news. And. May the 4th be with you. I, the, the, we're recording this on May 3rd. So fuck May 3rd. May the 4th be with you. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be right back with the good That
1: should be the new saying, <laughs> fuck May 3rd. May the
0: 4th be with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. It's AG. And today's Daily Beans is brought to you by AG. That's Athletic Greens. They bring you the very best and convenient daily nutrition. You know, for me, it's very challenging to fill the gaps in my nutrition because I'm perimenopausal. I have a very busy schedule, so I don't get to eat as often as I like. I intermittently fast. I'm paleo. So I have all kinds of gaps in my nutrition. And that is when I found Athletic Greens, a very easy, wonderful, delicious habit to pick up. It can make your daily nutrition hassle-free. One scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens provides complete daily nutrition. AG1 contains multivitamins, multiminerals, a probiotic, a green superfood blend, 75 vitamin, minerals, vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients in all. And taking AG1 first thing in the morning before I go to the gym keeps me focused and energized and productive all day long. The bioavailable ingredients in AG1 provide comprehensive nutrition that is an ideal alternative to the cabinet full of bottles of pills and supplements and scoops and superfoods that I used to take every day. And it fits a variety of lifestyles, including keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free. It has less than one gram of sugar. It has no GMOs, no chemicals, and no artificial anything. And AG1 tastes amazing. And I love the way Athletic Greens keeps their research current, right? Most supplements, when they hit the market, never change. But Athletic Greens and AG1 believe in science. They've had 53 improvements in the last decade and counting because of the latest research. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you an immune-supporting free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. Hey, I'm Ben Mycelis. I'm Brett Micellis. And I'm Jordy. And we are the hosts of the Midas Touch podcast, the top-rated, top-watched political podcast for pro-democracy content. Each week, we do multiple episodes where we break down the political issues of the day here in the United States and abroad as we fight for democracy. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right, Ben. We've had conversations with some incredible guests like White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, Beto O'Rourke, DNC Chair Jamie Harrison, Glenn Kirshner, Mary Trump, celebrities like Deborah Messing, Alyssa Milano, Michael Rappaport, and more. So subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Midas Touch, M-E-I-T-A-S-T-O uch podcast jordy anything to add shout out to the midas my everybody welcome back it's time for the good news
1: news,
0: and this may be the most important good news segment that we do
1: do oh my god
0: indeed So thank you for sending in your good news and we're going to continue to need it as we fight between now and whenever we're done fighting, I guess. So please send it in to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That can be confessions, corrections, good news, misheard song lyrics, what the mutt, find the cat, pod pet pictures, adoptable pets in your area that you love, just whatever you're making. If you have a small business, you send it to us if you're a creator. We would love to hear from you. Again, dailybeanspod.com, click on contact. First up from Anonymous, no pronouns given. Isn't Senator Tommy's last name pronounced Tubboville? Oh, huh. Instead of Tuberville, is it Tuberville? I don't know. But I, I was calling no, him no. Tuberville and somebody corrected me to Tuberville. So I don't know if huh. it's Tuberville or not. I don't know. I, hopefully, he's not in there long enough for us to care. Like, let's yeah. just get
1: him out. Over th- I know it's still three years, people. I got that, but let's, let's do something.
0: And I'm not going to talk to him and ask him. Huh, so. I won't be saying his name often, yeah. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'll do the next one, too. That was a pretty short one. This is from Marla Kay, Pronoun she and her. Hello, long-time listener, first-time commenter. I was listening today to Daily Beans during my morning walk, as I often do. The episode is called The Kremlin Caucus, LOL. You featured a guest, Brian Mark Rigg, who was talking quite a bit about NATO and protecting civilians in Ukraine. I'm a NATO and protection of civilians expert with about two decades of experience in a dozen conflicts around the world, including Ukraine. I've worked extensively with militaries, including NATO allies in Ukraine, on protection policy, strategies and training. I have to say I was really taken aback by both some of what he was saying and by the way in which he was saying it. From a protection standpoint, escalation is often most hard on civilians. I agree. I agree, Marla. In Afghanistan, when we surged troops, civilian casualties went up. On no-fly zones, they are by definition, even for humanitarian reasons, an offensive operation which requires rules of engagement that allow lethal engagement with an enemy. Yes, Zelensky is calling for a no-fly zone, but in terms of protection of civilians, this wouldn't have had much utility as most civilians are being harmed by ground ops and artillery, which an NVZ has a a no-fly zone has no utility against. It would have, however, risked a massive escalation if a NATO pilot got into a dogfight with a Russian air asset. And NATO is a defensive security alliance. The Washington treaty on which it was founded clearly states in Article 5 that it has to be an attack on an ally that triggers action. Now, that doesn't mean allies couldn't band together as a coalition for the willing. But it will not happen under NATO. The only time Article 5 has been triggered, it was in response to 9-11 on behalf of the United States. On use of nukes to say, what's he going to do? Nuke 30 countries is wildly irresponsible. Yeah. As even one nuke on a city means tens to hundreds of thousands harmed. Yeah. And I think, Marley, you remember me saying, look, we're, we're trying to limit civilian casualties here. Wicked order of magnitudes higher uh, than what we are seeing now in Ukraine. The trick with protecting civilians is that the use of weapons is not always often not the best way to go about it. And you have to think not just about the first order, but also the second and third order effects. I don't want to be an ass and pitch myself for your show, but I do think your guest today deserves a counterpoint. I'll also note that vilifying or demonizing a whole country's people's civilians, as he did with Russia and Afghanistan, is not fantastic. I agreed, and I pushed back on that too, Marla. Anyhow, y'all are amazing. I love your guests. This one today just hit really close to home and right in my sandbox, so I wanted to comment. Thank you for all you do. Thanks, Marla. Marla, absolutely, and that was very well written, and I appreciate
1: it because I wasn't here for this episode, so to be able to hear your response is actually really enlightening for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure to many of our listeners. So thank you. Please keep speaking up. I mean, we'd like to hear counterpoints. That's what it is about discussion. It, it's yes. about discussion. Yeah. And this next one is from Andrea, pronoun she and her. Hello, A G, D G, A C, and the rest. I have bittersweet news. In November, my best friend, fur friend, crossed the rainbow bridge. Riley was 14 and a half, and we had been having adventures together since he was eight weeks old. He'd loved a good bandana, especially after a haircut. I used to tease him (laughs) that even though his haircuts cost more than mine, I would always indulge him. (laughs) Being that I paid an astronomical amount for a bandana, I saved all of them. So over the Easter weekend, my folks visited my mom, who was uber talented and lovely in so many ways, gifted me with an amazing quilt she made featuring Riley's bandanas. Uh While I miss my buddy terribly, I will still be able to snuggle with him thanks to this quilt. Oh, my God. I wanted to share with the Beans community of pet lovers and hopes this helps someone else find a way to use those tokens saved. And, of course, to say a huge thank you to Allison, Dana, Amy, and every member of this amazing community. You truly make my day brighter and you make a difference. Thank you. This quilt is so frickin' cute. What an
0: amazing idea and how beautifully done. What a gift
1: from your mama.
0: That's love right there. Oh, and look at the baby. I love all the different shaped hearts. Too. I know. Oh, <laughs> look at this guy. <laughs> Riley was cute as a button. <laughs> he looks smug AF, dude. He's like, mm-hmm, I'm Riley. Oh, my God, he's adorable. <laughs> the one on the <laughs> green towel, he's like, yeah, I'm Riley. What? Oh, he's so adorable. Thank you so much for sending that in. and That quilt is amazing. Next up from Dr. Steve, pronouns he and him. Dr. Steve. Greetings, Leguminati. First off, I want to thank everyone at MSW for getting us through the last few years. While the former guy, who lately I just call the orange shit-gibbon, is out of the White House and we're on the precipice of justice, we still appear to be hurtling toward the fascist state of Gilead. That's the Handmaid's Tale. And while most days I want to scream into the void, your show provides a much-needed anchor of sanity and focus. I'm inspired by all the great work that the podcast guests as well as fellow listeners are doing, and it fires me up. It feels great to be part of such a badass community and you helped me turn the rage into helpful action. So thank you for that. That's awesome, Steve. Excuse me, Dr. Steve. Good news. I wanted to share the good news that as of August 1st, I'm starting my first job outside of medical training. I am a pediatric allergist immunologist. It's been a weird few years in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be moving back home to Michigan. I get to be a professor, Q Professor Farnsworth. Good news, everyone. It's it's a suppository. <laughs> And teach medical students and residents while also seeing patients, which is a great mix for me and honestly a dream job. I was very lucky to be in a position to make it happen and I'm very excited to start. The move puts us very close to both me and my wife's parents, which brings the family much closer, which is a good thing. The kids will get to spend more time with their grandparents and my wife and I can escape the house a little more often. Yes. We have no pets for pet tax due to being in a rental that prevents it. But we hope to bring a fur rescue into our lives after the move is done. But please meet Jinx, a lovely Pitbull Terrier mix, who is a very good girl. And if you're in the Kalamazoo, Michigan area, you can take her home.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And here is a link in the show notes. Keep up the good work. Much love and the best of vibes. Look at this baby girl. Hey,
1: gee, look at the baby. Second picture.
0: Oh, oh, oh. oh. hello. That's a good girl.
1: Very good, girl. Thank you so much for this. All right, this next one's from Anonymous. Pronouns, she and her. I had plans for what I was going to submit as good news. My upcoming class with my nonprofit Generation Data. My nonprofit. Ah, the class is called Generation Data. Uh, My silly superpower, sealing 20 envelopes a minute, (laughs) complete with video footage. But last night's leak means there isn't time to prep something great. Instead, I'm letting you know about ways listeners can help that they may not have thought of. This is wonderful. One is being supporter housing, which is letting a staff member stay in a spare bedroom during the campaign. With rent skyrocketing, this is more helpful than ever and could save a campaign a $1,000 a month if they don't have to put someone up. Free housing means staffers don't have to be paid as much since they won't have a huge expense. And getting an affordable six-month lease in some areas may not even be possible. Generally, we are the kind of house guest slash roommate who isn't there very low maintenance. Though it would depend on if the staff member is working from home, as is more common now than it used to be, it's also a great way to get the good tickets to events. (laughs) Now, another thing is to donate office furniture. It doesn't have to be fancy. I've worked on a lot of folding tables and card tables. Decent office chairs are also really appreciated. Also, a fridge and a microwave means staff can spend a fraction as much on food at the grocery store as they would getting takeout. Put your name and phone number on them for easy return in November. Speaking of food, campaign workers sometimes go weeks without anything homemade. Bring in a meal once a week and you will be their favorite. Ask about dietary restrictions for staff ahead of time. I've been told campaigns are having trouble hiring enough staff this year. If you or anyone you know would be interested, please apply. You don't need a lot of of existing skills, just a desire to help, the ability to work very long hours and some people skills. We can teach you the rest. It's a good job for someone who just graduated, either high school or college, especially if they're able to relocate. Even if you don't live in a swing state district, you might be able to help with one nearby. Don't neglect state reps races. That's where the decisions on your state laws about abortion will be made. Mm. That's a very important statement. I'm going to repeat that sentence. Don't neglect state rep races. That's where the decisions on your state's laws about abortion will be made. To help with housing and office furniture, contact your county party. They can connect you with the campaigns. To apply for work, look at gainpower.org. That's G-A-I-N, power.org. It's the largest job board for progressive jobs. To find a place to volunteer with canvassing or phone banking, look at mobilize z.us mobilize.us. It's a platform where you can put in your zip code and find events near you, including for candidates you might not have thought of. Knowing this day was coming doesn't make it any easier, but it all comes down to what we do in November. That is true. And thank you, Anonymous, for all of
0: that information. What a great submission. Thank you for that. Absolutely, And anything. Yeah, us. I know we've been talking about that. We did that in 2020 and 2018. It's a really great site. It's where we were getting all our postcarding and text banking and phone banking and all of that um, put together. And, and um, But this is f- full of such great information. So thank you for sending that in. If you have any information that you want to share or anything else that you want to send in for good news, confessions, corrections, whatever, again, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, Dana, do you have any any final thoughts today?
1: My final thoughts is my good news. I know that I was out for a week, and I apologize for missing the podcast, but it was for good reason. Over the week, I did two galas, one for Lambda Legal, one for the Human Rights Campaign at the Lambda Legal Gala, which Lambda Legal is on the forefront of basically suing all of these states that are trying to ban transgender healthcare and um, not allowing our trans kids to participate in sports. But this is going to go further. But I'm I'm grateful and happy to say that I raised $450,000 for Lambda Legal on Thursday and another $50,000 for the human rights campaign on Saturday. And so anything you can do to help organizations right now that um, have to do with women's reproductive rights or trans men and their reproductive rights, anything that has to do with a human that can carry a child, if you have a few dollars to give, research, find the organizations. A.G. And I probably don't know enough yet to talk about the ones that we support, but- Hopefully as time goes by we'll have those on our on our brains so that's that's my good news and and just for my final thoughts do something small it's going to be a ripple effect
0: don't think you cannot make a change you can yes the way out of it is through it indeed and the way through it is through the ballot so we have to do everything that we can between now and the midterms indeed and and, and it's this this election won't save us it's going to this is ongoing. Yes. So just please know that and uh, if you need to take a break take a break. We'll pick up the slack for you and I know you'll do the same for me and we'll be back tomorrow with more Uh, until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane